Welcome to Dirt with Dermot and Paul. Today is interesting because we're going to be broadcasting one of our nightly Instagram live um, broadcasts. We've built up a community over the past year and a half of people all around the world, gardeners and messers all around the world. And it's through this community that really the podcast emerged, isn't it, Paul? Yeah, yeah. Um, as a result of meeting all these people and telling all of our gardening stories, uh, we kind of are here today uh, recording the podcast. So and They've been reminding us of the things that they've really enjoyed or the things that they've learned. Yeah, which varies. Um, a couple of things that we'll be talking about how to take cuttings, number one, and we're going to go look at deadheading and how to do that in your garden. And we're also going to be talking about weeds in your garden and why I think they're okay. But you think this is a limit. <laughs> Maybe. Of course, the other thing that uh, is very exciting is we built this community around the world, or they built us, and they're all coming together for a garden festival we're going to host in September in County Kerry, aren't they? Yeah, we'll have fun talking about that. And we hope you can make it too. Dirt, a Go Loud original. No, Annette is in um, I, Oregon. Yvonne from it? New Zealand. Is Annette in Oregon? And hi, Barbara from Ferns. So this evening on Garden Conversations, <laughs> we're going to chat about... So you guys talk an awful lot of SH1T at about 7 o'clock every evening on the internet, don't you? No. How dare you? It's all about <laughs> content. Yeah. Garden Conversations is a conversation we initiated over Instagram with people who like gardening. It was March the 18th, 2020. Ireland, like many other countries, has just gone into a lockdown. Large public gatherings are cancelled. All pubs and bars are shut. And we've asked people to curtail or cancel social gatherings, like parties, weddings and other celebrations. The weather was absolutely brilliant and spring in Ireland and on these islands is just the most wonderful time. So we had an early spring and all our work just stopped dead and we were all confined to our houses and our gardens and i think we realized that lots of people would be looking at their gardens forensically for the first time ever whether it was just getting away from the kids whether it was appreciating what was happening in the natural environment and they might have questions and i rang paul we had met at a burger Oh, we had the strangest meeting because we weren't allowed to sit inside and we had to move away from each other. It was all getting weird at that so point. So the day before, or that day, we had met, we had been planning a garden for the Chelsea Flower Show. We weren't allowed to sit down, we weren't allowed to touch anything. We were doing this kind of elbows to each other. And this was very strange. And when I went home that day, I thought, there is something we can do. If this is a new normal for six, eight weeks or something like that, there is something we can do. Because there's a button on Instagram that lets you go live. And I wasn't prepared to do it on my own. And I rang Paul and I said, what about this? If we get together and we broadcast for an hour between seven or eight, when people might have a little bit of time and tell them what's happening out in the garden and tell them about soil and talk to them about plants. So that's how Garden Conversations began. And we started off together and very soon we had to go separate ways and I scuttled off to a polytunnel and a shed in Carlo and you were up in your veranda in Wicklow and we talked gardening for 18 plus months. Where are we now? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, so we just pressed that button and people joined and, you know, it was 10 people, then 20 people, then th and we were kind of bewildered by this, but... And there was very little out. It was the earliest. We had sprigs of forsythia and whatever. We had very little material. I grabbed an orchid from the kitchen that had been a Mother's Day present, and we stuck that in front of the camera, pretending, and we opened the doors of the veranda so you could hear birdsong outside to try and create a bit of an atmosphere. And what we said that day, from day one, we will be here every day from seven to eight. So if you want to know anything, if you want to ask us a question, we'll try and answer it. Try. <laughs> and we have, yeah. It soon developed into, I think what we didn't expect, we didn't know what to expect. We thought something would happen, but a community built up and people started turning up night after night and numbers started growing all of a sudden people from around the world were logging on we'd, we'd have fun we'd give courses and Paul so I would be inevitably at my desk upstairs in Wicklow and he'd be in a polytunnel and then one day Paul started demonstrating how to do things because you can only talk for so often. He took a cutting, he took a hardwood cutting and he was looking down the lens of the camera and showing people how to do it. And he did that, do you remember Beyonce, the mic drop? He did that with the cutting. And it was the best thing I'd ever seen on telly because I realised he was a brilliant communicator and a brilliant illustrator in terms of the craft of it. I was mesmerised by this, just taking the cutting and just dropping like that. And the screen lit up with people saying, Jesus, this is better than anything I've seen. Why can't gardening programmes be like this? So I think at that stage we knew we were on to something. We didn't know what. Our commitment was there. And it just started building and building. And then the weirdest thing that happened, so, you know, days turned into weeks, weeks turned into months. We were doing it in the middle of summer and then a new thing started happening. The dogs downstairs would start barking and they'd be at the front door and you'd open the front door and there'd be a hamper. And the hamper would contain coffee and beer and chocolate. And this started happening every day. Let me do my gay burn. From whom did this hamper? <laughs> well, we didn't know. We didn't know. Sometimes records arrived, vinyl, because I started every night playing a record on vinyl. Until he left it out in the sun one night and warped the, We Every night, at the end of every episode, because, you know, the early days of lockdown was quite dark, we were playing Always Look on the Bright Side of Life until that record got baked in the sun and <laughs> got disfigured. <laughs> <Wasn't working>. yeah. <laughs> so records started arriving, gifts, you, lots of chocolate, lots of coffee from people all over the world. And sometimes there'd be a name with them or a letter or a poem or a postcard or a painting that they had done. Yeah. And other times there'd be absolutely nothing. And to this day, I don't know who sent a particular record or who sent what. Stuff just started to arrive. It's like there was a debt in the family. So you have a lovely community, even though you abuse uh, them. They're not lovely. We've uh, love, what's it, love hate relationship. That's very strong. That's interesting. Uh, well, they've been coined a particular term after they one. They haven't been coined. I was talking to Paul one day about preparing for the following evening's broadcast, 
and he was very annoyed at one stage because even though for the most part he's very easy going but this day he was just pissed off like Dermot and he said the bloody riffraff so the following day when we went live I felt I had to use this phrase he called you the riffraff because they all think he's you know follow on my glove goody goody two shoes and I said you know what he said he called you last night <laughs> riffraff well it was an ultimate backfire wasn't it uh. <laughs> well no then we put him on trial. I said, the only thing to do is hold a trial. So we put him on trial. It used up a whole week of garden cover. We didn't need any more content. <laughs> he was on trial. He had a wig. He had all his books, his learned, his dusty papers to defend himself. Then it turns out the riffraff loved being called riffraff. So that was kind of self-defeating, that, that trial. Were you convicted? Uh, only of being lovely and brilliant. <laughs> So the community developed, and that was the weird thing. They were from, or they are from, all around the world. A lot, obviously, in Ireland, a lot in the UK, but in Sweden, in Spain, in New Zealand, in Australia, in Lagos, in Nigeria, all these people. And we started off by playing music on vinyl, so record collections, and people started sending in their record collections, their whole record collections from their bedrooms in the 1970s and 80s. Wow. And we could always tell whose music we were playing because of sometimes it was heavy rock, sometimes it was ABBA or Dollar or Bonnie. Why is it only ever Buck's Fizz when I seem to hear you? Well, i tell you why it's well, only now ever. Well, this is good. <laughs> i tell you why it's only ever. So we started playing and then we realised any time we were playing good music, Instagram would cut us. Stop it. The copyright gurus are there in their little pod pressing buttons going, nope, nope, nope. So we have discovered that there's two songs that nobody will admit writing. And that <laughs> is Making Your Mind Up by Bugs Fizz, which we played when Dermot Bannon was a guest because it's his favourite song, or Lemon Tree. No way. So we start every night with either Making Your Mind Up or... So there's no copyright on those? Well, nobody Instagram has admitted hasn't it yet. <laughs> so that's why you hear that. Excellent. All the Some time. of the most awful songs in the world. But awful. Lemon Tree is very on brand, actually, isn't it? Lemon Tree yeah, is so yeah. on brand. And we quite like Lemon Tree. And it's the weirdest thing. And now we're planning Garden Fest. German <laughs> and Paul's Garden Festival. Down Gee. in Balance Gaelics. Excellent. Have you seen that? No, tell me more. Have you not seen anything about it? No, okay. not a thing. Paul didn't know anything about this. And one night. It he was for our first year anniversary of doing this thing. Uh, I was off in town doing something. I came back to Dermot's house at six o'clock and he kind of scuttled me into where we were doing the show and said, Don't move. And he had all of this ploy set up. So he had organised a festival behind my back. Uh, down in Balance Galaxy, he had arranged a poster to be made by Steve Simpson. I, is this the poster I'm looking at now that yeah. we're going to put on Instagram? The poster That's we're going to put on. Yeah, it's a really cool poster. It's uh, a representation of yourself and Dermot in a hot air balloon. Yeah, you'll see there's a few disclaimers on that poster you might notice. Yes. Um, the <laughs> favourite one being expect the worst. <laughs> <laughs> so, I well. also see... Three days of talks, Gardner's question time, the great unfair quiz. Uh, yeah, we've had that's a lot of special. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, whenever we've uh, anything, whenever we've nothing planned for a broadcast, we announce uh, a great unfair gardening quiz. Where no one can ever win. Nobody What's can ever the win. Final disclaimer. Like Hotel California. Okay. Uh, Do you get prizes for the worst, best answer? Which never get delivered. Okay. Okay. Most importantly, <laughs> well, you do get prizes. Yeah. Never so arrive. it's a trip on the SpaceX. We are the yeah. worst yeah. at getting oh, all that's of That's a good that. prize. Yeah. 
Thank you, Adrian. Okay. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Who's sponsoring that? Elon Musk, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, they'll never go up. People win garden consultations. They never happen. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, the final line on this poster, the very, very bottom of it, if you look at it online, it says a gathering that really it? goes wrong. Yeah, <laughs> that says it all. <laughs> so we have people booked in from all around the world to come and join us in the most remarkable place in County Kerry for three days of fun festivities. Lots and lots of gardening. It wasn't just us. As soon as we started broadcasting, we asked a number of gardening friends uh, in different places around the world would they join us and answer questions we put up another account where people could send in their questions and so all of those people will join us for the festival except uh, for the boring northerner well no we have a tent for them oh yeah we have a boring <laughs> tent yeah yeah so yeah. Um, well there's a few people Conrad. yeah yeah that we can uh, so we decided that you know it's probably better to put all the people that would maybe not be of well, what's the word the father stones of this world yes oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 maybe we should call it the father stone memorial tent or something we can't contractually we won't be able to do that um, but we do have our own monk oh yeah okay I don't know what to say to that <laughs> <laughs> what does what does he do how does one respond <laughs> well, to what, what does a monk do Dennis is a Franciscan monk and he's a riffra there are a few different venues from this either end of the beach in Balanskelligs and the other end is the party end the HQ end is the lecture end okay and how does one attend the festival you uh, get tickets on Eventbrite sort your own accommodation you sort your own accommodation you have Balanskelligs which has some Airbnbs and all that sort of stuff you have Carsevin very near uh, 20 minutes away you have Waterville 18 minutes away and you have Killarney in Arroway so it's certainly accessible and it is in one of the most beautiful and quite mad places on this planet and if people want to channel the madness via garden conversations I suppose they'll bring their silly hats or there's a riffraff ball mm -hmm. and a silly hat will be a floral hat will be required for attendance at the ball there will be gigs there'll be concerts there's a riffraff disco which of course will when you stand for the national anthem will be box fizz I think we need Aideen to organise this <laughs> no 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 I had a breakdown trying to organise my sister's hen I don't like organising anything I don't even like hosting anything I don't want people to come to mine for dinner you <laughs> sound perfect <laughs> that's what we need <laughs> so that's our gathering of the Garden Tribes Balance Gaelic's County Kerry 10th to the 12th of September 2021 and we will keep you updated on this journey Dirt with Dermot Gavin and Paul Smith a Go Loud original so there isn't a tolerate <laughs> So one of the great things about working with Paul is that we've been doing these Instagram broadcasts every evening for a year and a half now. And one evening I saw him and he was in Carlo. He was in a greenhouse and the reception was really bad. But he was taking a cutting and just, he took the cutting like that and, he took it about it and as he did, he was explaining it and he was saying why he was doing this and why he was stripping the lower leaves. And he had the cutting there like that. And then he just opened his eye. It was a drop the mic moment. And I just looked at it. And I thought, this is better than anything I've seen on television. It was 
just that easy way of explaining part of the craft of gardening. It's a beautiful thing to see. He hasn't been able to do that since, but he's going to give it a try. So why do you take a cutting? It is a way to propagate more plants, number one. And number two, if your grandmother had a rose that was a particular colour that you really, really wanted and you wanted to get it from elsewhere, you would not be able to get that rose. Well, you might be able to find it in the garden centre, but chances are if it's in your granny's garden, it's 100 years old. And if you want to get a clone of that, this is all about cloning. Remember Dolly the sheep? It's all about taking a genetic clone off that plant that you have putting it in soil, rooting it, and that will be an identical match to the original plant. Genetically speaking, that will be the very, very same as the plant that you took the cutting off. That's why you take cuttings, to just get a perfect clone of what it was before. Right, talk us through it. Uh, Okay, so taking a cutting, it really depends on what you're taking a cutting of, but the first thing to do is get the right material. Usually, this is going to be a softwood cutting, which is material that has grown in this year. The younger the material and the nicer, fresher, healthier the material, the more likely it will root. And what, what are you holding there? In my hand, I'm holding a bit of buddleia, butterfly bush, one of these really easy to root things. Um, lots of shrubs are easy this time of year from these type of cuttings. If in doubt, give it a go, because the worst it will do is just not grow at all. When taking any cutting, I tend to hold it up. I go and I get my secateurs cut it just below a set of leaves, and I then cut about the length of a pencil away from that set of leaves, find the next set of leaves, cut just above that set of leaves, give that a chop off, and then I strip all of the lower leaves on the plant. And I strip the lower leaves for a few reasons. Number one, I want to be able to stick it into a pot. Number two, if a plant has been taken away from what it was growing on, it's going to be losing water. Having leaves is not good for it. So all of the top leaves, this plant has lots of leaves on top. I'm going to chop those leaves in half that are actually on the top of that plant. So away you go and cut all those leaves. So I've left quite a drastic um, kind of, you know, cut down cutting there's very little leaf left on that but that is perfect now for just sticking into the edge of a pot Um, usually the edge is good because it's a little bit warmer there leaving it on a kind of sunny windowsill maybe not too sunny you know an east or west facing windowsill is perfect sticking it in some gritty compost you can put a bag over it which will help it lose even less water the best thing to do is just forget about it for a few weeks and hopefully in a few weeks time it will have rooted uh if in doubt, try a few of them. It's always good to try more. You know, if you're doing them, do them in four or fives. Don't just do a single cutting because the chances are a couple of them won't work. But the ones that do, it's always good fun. And after it's rooted, we'll talk about that in a while, about what to do next. But in terms of taking it, I'll go it over again once more, very simply. Get the material in your hand. Underneath the leaves, cut a nice clean cut. At the next set of leaves, about a pencil length away, chop it right above those set of leaves, strip all the lower leaves off the plant, every single one of those lower leaves gets stripped off, chop the leaves that are left on top by about half, the less leaf the less chance there is of the plant losing water, stick that cutting into a pot, put it in a warm sunny window, not too warm, keep it moist and in a couple of weeks time you should see some roots. Final tip to add to when you're collecting or selecting material to take a cutting from is make sure you take material that doesn't have flowers on it. This buddleia I have in my hand here is just about to burst into flower. While it look great, definitely won't make a great cutting. So if you do have material with flowers, because it's putting energy into flowers, and sometimes when you root a cutting, it will often actually flower as you're rooting it. And if you see flowers coming on a newly rooted cutting, chop them off, because flowers take all that energy away from the plant making new roots. 
and you don't want that when you're only getting a little baby plant established and rooted. See what I mean about the magic? Magic. So when you take a cutting... I have taken millions of cuttings in my life. I've worked in a nursery where I spent days and days at the bench, chopping, 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 chopping. That's why it looks easy. Um, but it's all about practice, and the more you do it, the more you will eventually get it right. And that's what a kind of blunt secretary is too. Yeah, this is the absolute worst secateurs I could have possibly been given. Uh, the material here is just not quite so good. But as I'm talking to you, I'm doing it uh, and just the same thing. Stripping off the leaves, the length of a pencil and leaving a few top leaves and just keep repeat, 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 repeat. It's all about repetition. We keep saying that in gardening. Gardening is repetition. Dirt with Dermot Gavin and Paul Smith. A Go Loud original. Water properly is um, very important. Is that you? If I said no, I'd be lying. <laughs> Don't throw my phone into the. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you can throw my phone, but I can't throw yours into the shrubbery. It's all a matter who gets there first. So, what are the hacks or the skills? that you've enjoyed learning over the past year and a half. I've been watering too frequently. Yeah, watering properly oh, is really important. Watering in the evening, watering down near the roots, uh, not watering, not overwatering trees or shrubs, really, maybe in their first year, but uh, encourage them, the, the roots, to establish and search for water. Preparing your soil, making sure there's good organic matter around the roots that will absorb and release, slow release the water. How to prune roses properly. You've liked that. Have we done that? Yeah. That? Yeah. See, when I do it, I do a good job of a uh, demo. And we did a good one on pruning roses a while back. You didn't do it here. No, well, I could never... Uh, you always let your worst enemy prune your roses, which is why you invite me around every year to prune them. That would be true if you were my very worst enemy. But Okay, I want you to follow me, but we're going that way. Just, be, just behind me. I got... A new rose a couple of weeks ago, and it's called Heidi Klum. For real? Li- for real, yeah. Do you like her? She's beautiful. She's really quite seductive, isn't she? She's she- looking a bit ratty, though, in places. Or a bit tatty. Uh, she's looking a little bit tatty because some of the roses have gone over. So I bought her in flower, and I like to buy my roses in flower because I want to see what I'm getting. It's not something that we often do as gardeners. For instance, herbaceous perennials we often plant in the middle of winter when all you see is an empty pot, really. It's the root that you're buying. But Heidi, I wanted to see what she was like, to see if she'd fit in with the colour scheme of um, pots on my terrace because I was going to plant her in a pot for the first year anyway. She's beginning to go over a little bit so some of the blooms are done and if you look into the plant you can see that now. We've had a little bit of rain and the old flower has just turned to mush. Before a rose hip develops, what's a rose hip? Basically what roses produce seed from. So it goes bright red in the autumn, you can make syrup from it but they are basically what seed pods of roses. I don't want rose hips to form on Heidi Klum. I want more roses. I want it to be as repeat flowering as possible. So I've just clipped off the old head there and that means the energy of the plant will go into producing more enhancing. See these buds that are just about to come out. So I'll have a succession of flowers 
Uh, right through. You're not just cutting it randomly. You're cutting it to something when you're cutting, aren't you? I'm cutting to a bud. Yeah. What's that mean? You, Sammy, if you're trying to be smart. <laughs> well, it just means that you're not leaving bits to die off and you're cutting to a leaf joint and therefore the plant won't look terrible and it looked like you were a pro when you were doing it, which you are. You see, uh, <laughs> I'll throw these at you now. Uh, so, there, any of the flowers that are just um, worn are just hanging are a little bit heavy. I'll take them off. Mind you, that one looks uh, really quite nice. That so, but that mature deadheading. <laughs> what it said, uh, yeah, only a young thing. I'll put that in a nice vase. But it uh, will encourage the energy to go in to this blossom emerging. And we do that with roses right the way through the season and lots of other garden flowers. Uh, even these daisies over here. Now, this is a bit pernickety, but the new bud's about to come out and I'm just taking a load of the old ones away before they put the energy into producing seed. But it's not everything that you should deadhead, is it? No, well, you, <laughs> lupins. I've put a lupins... When they go, when they disappear, they're looking good at the uh, at the moment. You can take them off, but not to encourage new lupins, just so the energy doesn't go into producing. So I would. What what type of plants are you talking about that you wouldn't? Well, I'm thinking of you know grasses in the winter time and plants later in the season. It's usually later in the season you don't deadhead because you're looking for that effect of the plant in winter time. Sedums give you great kind of structure. Uh, all the grasses are great as they blow in the winter breezes and gales. So you have to be if you deadhead everything, you won't have anything. Yeah, but the, the showy flowers. What you're really talking about is there's a whole movement of prairie planting. So when the plant dies off, even the dead part of the plant can look good in winter light. Or a lot of gardeners think when they're covered in frost it looks absolutely brilliant but it's really kind of highbrow gardening I'd uh, so I wouldn't agree with Paul I'd just cut everything well okay but what about if you wanted rose hips on your Rosa Ragosa <laughs> so Rosa Ragosa <laughs> okay sorry but look, here's here's a perfect example. I found dahlias, and the flower heads of the dahlias just going over. I know there's so many more flowers to come on this, uh, but there's no point in them producing seed. And it can be hard seeing what is a flower head and what is what what's a bud about to open, and what's an dahlias old seed. Dahlias give head. it away. Dahlias, when they're finished, go pointy. And the ones that are about to merge out tend to be more rounded. So a pointy dead dahlia is one that's finished. Yeah, so I'm I'm going through this plant looking for all the ones that are done, all the pointy ones. There's another. There's the sunflower. Now I don't know why that's so exhausted so early, but I'm taking off that head. So sunflowers it's a, tend to be one hit wonders, though. You don't tend to get more than one flower. Although that one has a few. Yeah, that, the this is one of the smaller uh, varieties, and it has loads, loads coming up. I think I think that's just been done in through the awful. Sunflowers are something that you shouldn't really deadhead because they produce lots of seeds for the birds in the winter time. So you know certain things you have to be careful. I was so excited. Uh, I saw teasels growing. Now I know they're regarded as a weed, but they're going to produce so much seed and bring so many birds into the garden. This is quite a wild garden. Oh, so that leads me to something else. What do you think of the garden as you see it now? Now, if I had known you were coming with your big microphone, I would have tidied it up and whatever, and I didn't. I think it looks fabulous. Sure, I wouldn't know if it was tidy or not. Oh, is that what you're trying to say there, Paul? (laughs) Why don't you ask me what I think of the garden? 
Well, and you're never going to be nice. So well, it's not a pristine garden. It has, there are different zones to this garden. Up near the house where it doesn't get sun in the morning, I have all the luscious, I have all the green, I have all the ferns. Down in the centre where it gets an awful lot of sun from uh, early morning, I have the flowers. And then, I have dogs, and then it's a mix of everything. But if you look behind the scenes, you'll find piles of weeds. It's very naturalistic. And when you f uh, look over there, Aideen, can you see all the nettles coming up? And this is the way I garden, because I think it is a mistake to garden the way our parents thought us. We shouldn't be too neat or too tidy about anything. What do you think? Uh, yeah, yeah. Now, there is a limit, because... No, 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 and I think you're at the edge of the limit, to be perfectly honest. The place is getting, you know, the wrong side of scruffy. But, uh, no, in all seriousness, the point is... F*** off! No. Get out of my garden! No. <laughs> I have did, a key. Did he really just say I have that? A key. No, uh, no. The wrong side of what happens? Off. What happens is... We saw your meadow, which has no flowers, last week. Right, and... Well, we're going to say on the wrong side of something. That's very judgmental. It's not, because if these things go to seed, all you'll have next year is patches and patches of nettles everywhere. Oh, you need to deadhead your weeds, at least. That's all I'm saying. You don't want them to take over. Weeds will take over, and you have to control them. Even in an untidy garden, you have where, to control the weeds. From where I'm standing and where I'm looking... Well, I see a barrow full of dead plants. No, that's hosta. Oh, there. Yeah, well, they're going to compost heap. <laughs> is that hosta still in... The barrel. Uh, no, do you know what see what's in that barrel? My pot. Yes He got rid of my pot. I hated your pot. I hated it. And now you see how much. One thing I did in this garden he got rid of. No, you Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh no, my main point is way beyond the trees there, it's weeds five foot tall. You can't get through behind the shed. And we need to leave areas of our gardens untidy. And I take section by section, so there are some areas in the garden that are almost pristine, and there are some that are semi-overgrown. And when they're semi-overgrown, you don't know what's going to happen, the excitement of what might emerge. When did you get so suburban? I'm not, but your weeds are, you know, getting a bit out of control. But uh, yeah, someone has to do. You know, <laughs> you can't be above judgment. <laughs> Well, I don't know if you're doing it just for effect or if you, if you mean it. No, I don't mean it entirely, but I don't allow... I do what you're doing, yeah. and, you know, at that point I go in and I weed. My yeah, rule exactly. is when they're yeah. six foot tall, when they're taller than me, when they're about to set seed, before they cause harm. And if they're ruining a vista or something, you know. But it's the type of gardening I like. Not too pristine. As long as it looks good from out there at the main views, and then there's habitats for all sorts of other creatures to uh, come in. And there's nothing more pleasurable than filling a barrow with weeds, going in, plucking at something. But in my garden, fennel is a weed, because it's self-seeded everywhere. So this is fennel that you'd have with your fish. And this is my favourite thing, coming in, grabbing handfuls. Letting them rot down, bringing them up to the compost heap, and the garden still manages to look well, just the way I want it to be. Okay, one of the best plants in the garden, and you were nearly standing on it. <laughs> Chefflera taiwania, discovered in the hills above Taiwan.
by the people that Paul, the plant hunters that Paul used to work for. Look at it. It's grown lush. I put that in as a really, do you remember that, Paul? I put that in as a really small one. And that is, now the, the issue with weeds is that a plant like this can be crowded out by weeds. So I have to make sure that I don't let too much energy and too much water be taken away from it. But all of a sudden that's going to grow up and do the thing. And that's what I need here instead of Dixonius. What? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're getting bored. He's getting bored. I'm bored of weeding. Now, I can tell you're bored. <laughs> oh, go home. I, you can't present it with me. Dirt with Derma Gavin and Paul Smith, a Go Light original. Jesus. You misses. You've been cursing at me. This is. That was Garden Conversations. This is a special for. Our guest this evening. <laughs> so I'm a bit downcast that you think my garden is only a collection of weeds. Well, they're fine weeds, and I said I've never seen a sow thistle as tall as that. So, you know, you grow your weeds pretty well. But Paul, your garden is a complete and utter mess if we're going to go down that road. Yeah, but I never let the podcasters in. I only take the good photos on Instagram. <laughs> See you next week on Dirt. Your name. <laughs> I've been true to my body. Oh, no battery. <laughs> but I've never been to be. And it's a magic for my life. <laughs>